Psalm 107. Be a little bit different kind of a message tonight. In fact, I'm not quite sure how this is all going to work out. It's a little nervous of a thing if you've never done this before, <laughs> when you just can't quite see the whole thing. It's all written out here in front of you, but I don't know. Um, so we'll trust the Lord to get us where we need to go here tonight. Will it be a little bit different kind of a message tonight, though? Psalm 107, verse number one. Psalm 107, verse one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the land from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in wilderness and in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Of course, multiple times a week... I sit down in my study at home to prepare to speak in the various places that I have to speak. And when I, before I prepare to speak, when I'm looking, asking the Lord to take me where I need to go, I almost always ask the Lord one thing. And the one thing I almost always ask the Lord is, let me glorify Christ. Whatever you have me to speak on, let me glorify Christ in it. Because I agree with what Mueller said. He said, I delight to speak well of my master. Now, it just so happens that over the last couple of weeks, I believe the, Lord, the message that the Lord has led me to, to preach have been on what I'll call the little bit harder side of things. And that's okay because those things are needed sometimes. But that doesn't mean that my heart doesn't yearn to speak well of my master. Now, David and the other psalmists wrote down the things that they had learned about God. Of course, they were writing Holy Scripture, and that was their outlet. They had learned these things about God, and they were writing Scripture through the power of the Holy Spirit, being guided and blessed to make sure that their expressions were exactly what they ought to be. They were expressing what they had learned about God. That's why we read what we're reading in the Psalms. You know what? We were born too late for that. By the time we got, or came, got around to us, the canonization of Scripture had been done a long time ago. So we aren't going to write any new Scripture. Besides that, you know what? We're not involved in any great national politics. We're not involved in any epic situations. All the events that we're not involved in any events that are going to be recorded uh, for the blessing and growth of God's church around the world. We're just not involved in the, those kinds of things here. The fact is, we aren't kings, prophets, warriors, or anything of consequence in the regular use of those terms. 
what we have here in this auditorium, in this church, is what the Bible called in the Lord's day, common people. That's what we have here. We're just average, everyday folks. We get up and work regular jobs to feed our families. Nobody is going to record what we have done or what we say for posterity. No history book is going to, uh, in the future, record even our greatest of deeds. It's just not going to happen. But the fact of the matter is, David is no better than us. David did not hold a corner on the truth or on the knowledge of God. Sure, his words were guided by the Holy Spirit to keep him from misspeaking. And because God's people down through time would profit from those words. But expressing love for God and truth about him is not just for Old Testament kings and prophets. We have as much right as he did. No, our words will not be inspired and future generations will not find comfort in them. But that does not prohibit us from expressing them. In fact, David encourages us to do so. Look at verse number two. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You realize that David knew that his voice wasn't the only one. Tonight, I want to do just that. I want to express what I know about my God. Trusting that in my voice, you find expression from your heart. That what comes out of my mouth is what your mouth would say if you were standing up here. Think of it this way. If you were to have to write a psalm, Okay, a psalm is, the definition of that word psalm, is a pious song. If you were to have to write one of these psalms, David writes, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Later on he says, uh, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. What would you write? What would your song sound like? What would be the words, the, the basis of the song that you would write if you, in fact, would have been called to write one of the psalms. Tonight, I want to give you my song, but anticipating that it is true, and it's a true expression of your heart as well, will entitle the message, Our Song. If we were to write a song, this is what we would write. Let's pray. Father, we have just a few minutes, but it is our right as your children to express our love for thee, to express at least in part what you mean to us and what we have learned about you. And so we ask, Father, that you would wring our hearts with truth. May joy and gladness well up within us as we think about who you are and what you mean to us.
bless these next few moments, for we ask this in the name of our precious Savior. Amen. Tonight I will not search for fancy words or classic expressions to, as the words to the song. We're just common people here, and plain speaking becomes common people. So I have written sec, what I'll call six lines to our song, and they're just straight out there. And I'll write them like you're saying them along with me. I trust that your heart understands and rejoices with me. First line of our song would be, we have found that the Lord is good. We have found that the Lord is good. You know, the men of this world craft a lot of different gods. They carve them, they mold them, they give them names, and they make up stories about their history, which is kind of an interesting thing. They make up stories about their history and what they've done and all these great things. And those gods generally are tyrants who demand gifts uh, from their people and reign over them with terror and evil. They are make-believe gods. But we have found in our God, and we testify tonight, that our God is good. Not only has he filled his creation with amazing and wonderful things that display his goodness, but he has not left us to wander from that, to have to try to surmise from that. He's, we're surrounded by all these things that scream that God is good, but we don't have to wander and just try to be analytical about it. For each of us have experienced it countless times in our own lives. We've not always been obedient. We have not always been good. We have not always done the things that we should have done. But we can testify today that we have not found God evil, mean, or harsh. We have found that the Lord is good. That is the first line of our song. The second line is, we have found that the Lord is merciful. We have found that the Lord is merciful. It is true that God made man in his own image. But man does not always show that. If we were to try to see what God is like through the actions of men, we would get a totally improper view of God. What does a man do when he is wronged? A man who is wronged does not take that lightly. Revenge is something that men seek. They want to exact more than is owed. That is a very common thing. You, you do me bad, but I'm going to do you worse. It is in our nature. It is in our makeup. It is in our who we are, I suppose you would say, to do this. Grudges and bitterness are held for a lifetime, and they will not be forgotten until a man feels like he has gotten what is owed him. Nothing could be further from our God than that. They, that doesn't describe our God at all. How can we describe the mercy that caused the Lord to take our punishment upon himself? How do you put into words the mercy that pays for the sin of an enemy? And when we think about salvation and our rescue from hell, if that, we would think that that would be enough. But how do you describe the mercy of the Lord since that time? 
I mean, that's enough, isn't it? The fact that you have been saved from an eternity in hell. The fact that you've been saved from all of your sin. You've been rescued. But how do you describe the mercy that he has shown since that time? That mercy is just as mind-boggling as salvation's mercy. You know, before we were saved, we didn't know God. We might even say we didn't know much better. But after saving us and after making us his children, ones who ought to know better, then we still decided to wander. How often has not his mercy had to flow? How many times in our lives have we not deserved dire consequences? How many times has not our own foolish choices should have ended in disaster? And yet... The Lord in his mercy forgives, he helps clean up the mess, and limit the consequences of our own actions. I hope your heart this morning sings the same, this evening sings the same song that I'm singing. For line number two is, we have found that the Lord is merciful. Line number three is, we have found that the Lord is kind. We have found that the Lord is kind. The kindness of the Lord has so many facets that it's really hard to describe. Consider kindness and truth. Do you know the difficulty, there's a difficulty between balancing kindness and truth? Often to speak the truth is to have to say something that is hurtful. Okay, it's true and so it's going to be, but when the person hears it, it's going to be very hurtful to them. Many men rejoice in speaking the truth, but they don't really care how it hurts others or the effect that it has. They take pride and joy in, I said the truth. It doesn't matter that it slaughtered everybody around them and destroyed them emotionally. Others try to be kind. They're afraid of hurting someone, so they withhold the truth from them, leaving that person to live a lie. This is not good either. But you know, our Lord is always kind. He always deals in truth. But he always mixes the cure needed to bind up any wound that's created. He always mixes that in with the truth. He never just wounds without cause or without remedy. He is kind in dealing with truth. But his kindness shows so many ways, like in his treatment of us. You realize that each day, your day is filled with the kindnesses of God. We go through the day and we don't think anything of it. We chalk it up for circumstances or good luck or whatever, whatever, whatever. And we fail to recognize it, but the fact of the matter is, our life is one long event of God's goodness. All through our day, we are being confronted or being benefited by the goodnesses of God. We're so blind to see these things. But even blind people like us can meet here on Wednesday night and sit for 15 or 20 minutes just scratching the surface of the Lord's goodness in our lives, knowing that we have left so much unsaid and unnoticed because God is kind. 
The third line of our song is, we have found that the Lord is kind. The fourth line of our song is, we have found that the Lord is gentle. We have found that the Lord is gentle. Do you know that in our world, the more power and authority someone has, the less gentle they are likely to be? You realize this, right? The more power somebody has, the more authority somebody has, the less gentle they're likely to be. Most dictators are described as ruling with an iron fist. An iron fist. This is not a, a kind term, by the way. You know, even when we should be gentle, and we want to be gentle, often we are not. The Chinese have a proverb that says, never remove a fly from a friend's forehead with a hatchet. Now, why would there be such a proverb? Because even when we should be gentle, we have a tendency to overreact, to be rougher than necessary, to be more concerned about getting the job done than the effect it's going to have afterwards. Many times it's been said of a doctor, he is a great doctor, but he has a lousy... A lousy bedside manner. He's so focused on getting the job done that he forgets that people are people. He forgets to be gentle. And that doesn't sit well with us. But we have found that the Lord is gentle. Sure, he has absolute power. And yes, he could rule with an iron fist. And yes, he's going to get the job done. But somehow... He always seems to find the most gentle way of doing it. Never once have we found God like a bull in a china shop just rooting around. He accomplishes his work, but he often he does it so gently that we were totally unaware that he was even doing it. We have found that the Lord is gentle. Line number five. We have found that he's true, sorry, that we have found that his word is true. We have found that his word is true. You know, we have become or should have become a nation of skeptics. Almost nothing is as it seems in our world anymore. Have you noticed that? The news is often less than half true. Advertising is misleading. People make up lies and then tell them like they're the truth and like they would swear on their mother's grave that these are true. The pictures you see have been doctored. The videos that you see have been edited. Email, Facebook, websites, official documents are printed, presented as absolute truth when there's no truth in them whatsoever. I found that in my own life, my first reaction to almost everything is, that's not true. Whether I like the sounds of it, whether it agrees with the way I think, or whether it completely disagrees with my thinking, my first reaction these days, because so much that we deal with is false, is it's not true. I automatically put it in the not true category. But with God, the exact opposite is the case. Everything he says is true. We may have not understood it or believed it at the time, but experience has taught us that it is always exactly how God says it is. 
It always turns out the way he says. It's always, he always, it always means exactly what he says it would means. It isn't just half true or mostly true. God's word is true. In a world filled with lies, deception, and falsehoods, we have found that his word is true. The sixth line of our song and the last line, not because we couldn't write a whole lot more, but just for the sake of time. Line number six, we have found that the Lord keeps his promises. We have found that the Lord keeps his promises. If I were to ask you, what is a man's promise worth these days? What is a man's promise worth these days? And the honest answer would have to be, not very much. If you have any doubt about this, let me tell you. This week, list something on Facebook Marketplace or on Craigslist. And listed at 75% of its actual retail value, of the actual value. And then you come back to me next week and tell me whether man's words are, uh, promises are worth anything or not. You will find out before the day is out when you list something that man's word means absolutely nothing anymore. Even those who desire to keep their word have difficulties. Do you not do as I do when you go home at night? Each night you lay your head on your pillow and you groan as you think of all of the things that should have been done, that needed to get done, that people were counting on you to get done, that you did not get done. And you groan that groan and then you sigh that deep sigh and you fall asleep knowing that tomorrow is going to be the exact same thing. You're just not going to get it done. You'd like to, you wish you could, but you just can't. But not our God. Never has one of his promises gone unkept. Never has he had to sigh because he left something undone. His promises are better than money in the bank. His promises are more sure than tomorrow's sunrise. His track record is perfect and no one has a situation big enough to ruin his record. You know, it's often true that we have wondered about his promises. We are so sure on the way that something is supposed to turn out that when it didn't turn out that way, we wondered, well, what about this promise? Well, one of the old songwriters gives us very good counsel. He says, and, uh, praise you the Lord, hast thou not seen how thy desires have been granted Sorry, hast thou not seen how thy desires e'er have been granted in what he ordaineth? What he's saying is, haven't you seen that what you wanted, what you needed was accomplished in the situations that God put in your life? We get so sure of the outcome is going to be a certain way that we fail to see that the promise was kept in a far better way than we ever anticipated because we just didn't want, we didn't think outside the box. We didn't look to see what God was actually doing. But a life lived with God has taught us this. We have found that the Lord keeps his promises. This is our song. It's not the whole song, but at least it's a start. It is a plain and simple song. 
We have found that the Lord is good. We have found that the Lord is merciful. We have found the Lord is kind. We have found that the Lord is gentle. We have found that his word is true. We found that he keeps his promises. Now I trust that your heart was expressing these lines as well as mine. You know, it's not as eloquent as the great psalmist David. And it's not as full of wisdom as the Proverbs of Solomon. But the truth of the matter is, God in heaven delights in it just as much as any of those. Because his heart rejoices in our song. Let's pray.